0: Hey everyone, and welcome back to the show. Jessica Stevens here, your host of I Just Blank Now What the podcast. How is everyone doing today? Hope you are really enjoying some of these long, lazy days of summer, um, and uh, taking in some extra vitamin D, especially if you are here in the north, like I am in Canada. These are the best days; these August August um, summer days. So today on the show, um, we're we're coming in with a with a heavy topic, and one that I know is common. <laughs> Um, And very prevalent, but not necessarily talked about a lot. Um, And my guest, Susan Gold, is sharing her, I was just sexually harassed, now what story? Um, And uh, trigger warning, this does talk about harassment in the workplace, um, being sexually harassed. Um, So if this episode is not one that you can listen to today, I want to invite you to hit pause Um, and wait for next week or come back and listen to this when you feel like you are in a place to do so. But it is something that we wanted to put out on the show because it's, it's, it's happening. Whether we acknowledge it um, or not, whether we personally have experienced it or not, it is happening, and uh, we wanted to take the time to share um, this story out there to to start some conversations. So Susan Gold is my guest, and she truly is magical. After a challenging upbringing, she made her way to New York City to become known for matching celebrities to brands. She also experienced sexual harassment in the workplace and has a unique story of standing up to it. Uh, She wrote her memoir, Toxic Family, Transforming Childhood Trauma into Adult Freedom, is her personal and professional trajectory is not to be missed. So without further ado, let's get to the now what. blank now what stories so we can all learn from their transformational lessons to help us all answer that lifelong and often paralyzing question now what hey friend did you just think to yourself i just love this podcast now what well i hope you do and if you did i got the answer become a patron and support the show For just a $5 financial gift a month, you can access episodes early and without ads. Plus, you'll be entered to win our monthly Patreon giveaway, like books and courses from our guests and some fun merch. For just a $10 a month contribution, you'll become an all-access patron and also get bonus exclusive content from me and some of our guests. Behind the scenes, Q&A, bonus questions, all of it. So head over to patreon.com backslash I just blank and now what, or click on the link in the show notes and become a patron today. Well, hello, Susan. Hey, Jessica. How are you this morning? I'm doing really well. Oh my God. What a, what a scene behind you. I know all of our listeners can't see what I'm seeing, but what a beautiful view. So I, I was
1: living in urban bliss for decades in New York City and in L.A. And then that little intuitive voice that we like to beat down <laughs> said, you've got to get somewhere more open sky. So, yeah, I landed in northwest rural Montana.
0: Oh, wow. That is a very big contrast to the hustle and bustle of New York City, for sure. How do you how do you like being, you know, a blue sky country girl now. So I had a cabin in the Catskills
1: for a while when I lived in New York. And once I moved to LA, I didn't miss New York City, but I missed that cabin in the woods. And this is like that times 10. So I'm quietly acclimating. And the area where I am is a bit like Sedona before it got completely commercialized. The energy is really pristine and I'm surrounded in mountains and it it looks like Tuscany out my front window, the Nepali Coast of Kauai down the side. And in the back, I have like what looks like the Swiss Alps, which are the Canadian Rockies. So you can't
0: be in a bad
1: mood for too long.
0: I love it. I love it. All right. Well, welcome to the show. I'm so excited for you to be here with me and we're gonna unpack a really, you know, important story from you. Before we do that. I always like guests to share a little bit about themselves, but I feel like you just did that. Like you just told us you were like a city girl and now you're out in Montana, but is there anything else that you want the audience to know about you before we get started?
1: Well, I'm a new author. I just published a memoir or had it published a month ago. And I just want to encourage your listeners, if you have that thought going in your mind to, to sit down and and write it all out. It was an incredible experience. And the feedback has been really overwhelming.
0: Wow, congratulations. I know, lots of people have have a book inside of them, and not many actually get it out of them and onto the page. So congratulations. That's a huge, huge accomplishment. Did it kind of like tickle the author spirit in you? Is is there like a book two somewhere buried deep that might be coming out soon?
1: Oh, my gosh, you had to ask that question. So I was told in 2007 by an Irish seer I had a book to write that would have impact, and I poo-pooed it, and I didn't want to go through that intense exercise for a PR tool, but then I got told twice back-to-back by two more intuitives, and the third one said, you have three books to write. So I thought, okay, I better get going before I have a library of books to write, but Yeah.
0: My goodness. All right. Well, let's let's unpack one of your stories who, that was likely going to I don't know if it's in your your first book or it's in your upcoming books. But you have a story of I was just sexually harassed. Now what?
1: I'm so glad that, you know, when we had our initial conversations that we were brave enough to put that out because it's not something that even with the Me Too movement, people are still really comfortable mm-hmm. talking about. And my story of sexual abuse actually starts very young and within my family system. So it's not something that I'm proud of, but it's something that did happen. Mm -hmm. And I believe it happened with purpose. I did a lot of work to work my way through it. And the remnants didn't clear because I was dreaming of New York City and I actually ended up going there. And working there during college and then right after college, and I had a huge opportunity when an agent at the agency I was working in left and asked me to join him. And I said, yes, because I could learn so much. And we were in a studio apartment, so I could hear all the talent negotiations. But the problem was he had a sexual addiction and used to invite young women in for their moment. And I would have to leave the office, which was so, you know, obscene. And then he tried it on me, Jessica. So the following morning, I rang Barbara Walters doorbell because she was actually my exercise client. I had idled her as a young girl growing up in central Pennsylvania on my beanbag, on my belly, in my basement, watching her. And yeah, I needed to make a little money on the side and the universe delivered Barbara Walters. So I rang her doorbell and she said, Susan, get in here. What is
0: going on? Like she
1: knew immediately something was up and you just like feel most, the energy.
0: She could see the look on your face. She just knew. And I didn't, I didn't want
1: to tell her or anyone for that matter. I mean, I had kept all the secrets. And she got it out of me within minutes. And she said, we're going together this morning to your workplace. And we're confronting this gentleman together. (laughs) I I think I got that covered, Barbara. Let Let me handle it. So I did confront him that morning. And he said, do you have everything you need? I said, I do. And he said, great, you're fired. And Barbara actually ended up in offering me an assistantship for her then fiance, who was running Lorimar, which was a movie distribution house. And it was a great opportunity, but I was so burnt from this experience. I couldn't assist anyone anymore. And with two and a half months of cash in the bank at 25, living in New York city on my own. And I had just extricated myself from an abusive relationship where the man held the purse strings. I started my own talent brokerage firm. And somehow Donnie Deutsch, who's a great entrepreneur, he's a bit of an icon, he's a host now, but he was running his dad's ad agency back then. And he and I connected and he said, do you think you can get me Andy Warhol for my Pontiac? I'm like, I'll try. So (laughs) I called and no one would pick up at the factory. So I literally took the subway down to the factory on 33rd Street and knocked on the door And Fred, Andy's business manager, answered and I explained why I was there. And he said, "Okay, well, come back tomorrow at the same time and I'll let you talk to Andy. So I showed up. He ushered me into the foyer and I was sitting there for what felt like hours. But, you know, it was only minutes. And then these double doors flew open and it was super dark in that studio room. But there was a pin spotlight coming down on this platinum hair that was going 17 to different directions and Fred said to me okay Andy we'll see you now <laughs> so in I went Jessica and he didn't make eye contact with me he didn't like greet me and nothing he was just penciling and three pugs were running around the studio and he loved these pugs they would tug on his pants like and he'd pick them up like they were babies and it was all about the pugs it had nothing to do with me or why I was there but I knew there was purpose or Fred would have never let me go into the room and finally he he looks up and he makes eye contact and he said "no really why should i do this?" and i said "because you can have the pugs in the shot with you" and he said "okay i'll do it" and like that was the deal that started my career and i became known for matching celebrities with brands but it was after standing up to sexual harassment and harassment within what was to be a loving relationship.
0: Oh my goodness. Okay. So there is so much to unpack from, from that just slice of the story. So I want to rewind the tape here and go back to you being in New York city and you working at this talent agency. And how did you, how did you originally get that job?
1: So when I was in college, I thought college was a waste of time. And I I really just wanted to get to New York. And an alumni came through my sophomore year and gave a lecture on what she did in New York City. And it was arts management. And I had never heard of that before. So I wrote her a letter from the shore that summer where I was working and asked if I could come the following summer. And she said, we need you this winter. We have our first Broadway season for one of our clients So I went to school that fall and negotiated with the head of the dance department and then the head of the fine art department who, and he was very prestigious. His daughter Maya had just won the award for designing the Vietnam War Memorial, which is in Washington DC. And he was so coiffed like, and the tortoise shell, you know, rimmed glasses that he was looking at me through. And I was very intuitive. I was highly empathic, and I knew he had no idea, like, what I was doing in his office, (laughs) so I finally explained to him, you know, that I want to go to New York City, and I want to put this new program into place of arts management, and how the course structure would change, and he agreed, so off I went. I was 19, living in Greenwich Village on my own, and I got to know the city from walking around because I was making $80 a week and I ate a lot of greasy pizza off paper plates. And one Saturday morning, I remember crossing over into St. Mark's Place in the East Village, which now is very tame. It's like you might as well be in, I don't know, Minneapolis. But back then, that was like the Wild West. And there were people with pink and purple hair and piercings, you know. And this was like before that was the norm. And a man was walking around with nothing but the American flag, like, you know, clothing him. I turned on my heels so fast. I was like, oh, maybe this, this isn't for me. <laughs>
0: maybe I won't go down the street. But
1: it made an impression. And all I wanted to do was get back there. And I did go back that summer. And my boyfriend and I lived there. He interned for Ted Turner, who was just launching CNN at the time. And I knew the city was for me, but I really wanted that glitz and glam. You know, I, like performance artists were great. It was fun to see, you know, Paul Zaloum and Spalding Gray walking around. But like, I wanted to see, you know, Woody Allen and Sharon, Diane Keaton and, you know, all those George Clooney, all those celebrities of the time. So I just asked everyone I knew who they knew that I could talk to. And it led me to an interview at ICM, International Creative Management, which is one of the largest global talent agencies there is. And I just got my foot in the door and then negotiated my way to a position upstairs where they did movies and music and commercials. And that's how I got my start.
0: And then that's how you got connected with that boss.
1: Yeah. So, so there was a rumor in the mailroom, a friend of mine who had gone to Vassar was in the mailroom was like flooded with all these Ivy Liggers. I couldn't believe it. And there I was on a desk as an assistant while these Harvard and Yale and Vassar guys were, were handing out envelopes. But he gave me a tip that the head of the commercial division was looking for an assistant. So I called HR and got an interview and went up on a lunch break And came back down from the interview to this greasy cardboard box, like packed on my desk. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh. And my boss, who, oh my gosh, she was really rough. She was really intense. She said, I hope you got the job because you're fired. And so I picked up my box. And two days later, I got a call that I got the
0: job. Okay, Sue. Whew, that worked out, right? Yeah, another another near miss that worked out. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and so was that the job that was with that guy with the guy?
1: Yeah, and and it was really seedy, and I could feel the energy of it. I wanted the opportunity, and I kept poo pooing my reality, just as I had in my home. Oh, it's not that bad. Oh, it's your imagination. Oh, you can step up. You can handle this. But the feelings, and it was dragging my energy down. And I was also starting to use alcohol to cover my feelings of shame and lack and low self-worth. And I knew there was a problem when I took a slug from a wine jug to ask for a raise. And I knew there was a problem because I was in that abusive relationship that I couldn't seem to extricate myself from. And then when this gentleman... Chased me around the office, literally, and tried to grab personal body parts. That was another signal. Like something is not working in my life, and something needs to be examined. And I'm really grateful that I was led to the proper help and took it.
0: So, you know, before you said, you know, you're you're somebody who is a bit intuitive, and you're an empath, and you know, feeling. And it's interesting that you say you were feeling all those things, but you were ignoring them or you were justifying and explaining away what, you know, what you were feeling in the time looking back, you you know, hindsight is 2020 is what, you know, they say. And I'm sure you have a very clear like, Oh yes, this was a red flag. That was a red flag. This was a red flag. But at the time, what were you feeling? What were you thinking? And, you know, how, how did you come up with those excuses to kind of push through? Well, I could see
1: opportunity.
0: And back then it
1: was, it was almost a given. I'm not sure it's changed that much. I don't know. I hope it has, but women were subservient and you really had to push bully your way through and it was just expected. So I forgave a lot of it, a lot of it, and turned a blind eye to a lot of it. I mean, that's also a survival tool. I picked up growing up in the household that I did. And I knew that I had to keep that light shining within to survive and just marshal through. But I also knew that I, I needed to draw boundaries or I was going to melt. I was going to disintegrate. I was going to end up in that mental institution that my mother always promised was going to be delivered to me.
0: What was the time frame of this? So you were in your like mid 20s, early 20s? Yeah, I was in my early
1: 20s and by the time I actually got help and I ended up getting sober, clean and sober, I was 25. And I needed that that even playing field, and I needed the tools that living clean brought me, which were, you know, meditation and self-care and surrendering control, because, you know, I can be incredibly controlling still, but yeah, these these things were all important to me to learn how to live comfortably and with help because I didn't have that I didn't understand that I thought it was me against the world and figure it out I had big responsibility way before my time okay
0: and so that all kind of came together after this incident or was that kind of what helps you kind of set that boundary and get the hell out of there and go seek out Barbara Walters you know like was the, you know for somebody who maybe sitting in an office right now who's experiencing maybe some similar things that you experienced, you know, what, what tools did you kind of grab and use to like muster up the courage to a confront and say something? Cause I'm sure that wasn't even easy and then get, you know, get the hell out of there. So I just want
1: to say that I know what that place is like of sitting in that seat and knowing things are not comfortable or they're violating your your soul and your being or who you imagined yourself to be. Mm-hmm. And I believe this has been some of my trajectory for this lifetime because it's followed me to different degrees throughout my life. And I've confronted it in different ways until I got to the perfect storm, which came much later. But I really trusted that little flame of light that was inside. I'd have to say if I had to locate it, it was in my heart. But by then, there was so much blackening with instruction from schooling and and religious instruction and my home life and family member, extended family that that stuff got clouded, but I always had a connection and a belief in myself. And I knew I had to ultimately stand up if I wanted to proceed. Forward, And I subtly knew intuitively that I had a mission here. I think it became easier, Jessica, when I finally came to the realization that my challenges and my challengers, even though they came in some really rough packaging, were actually gifts of transformation and of soul evolution. I just think maybe next time I'm going to look at the fine print a little closer before I agree to the experiences. But when I can shift and see it from that perspective, it becomes a tool to reach freedom. And that's what kept me and keeps me trudging through the experience. And then once I sat down and And wrote it all down in book form, which I wasn't looking forward to do. And I don't know if you can relate to this. I was like a bulldog producer and I made myself sit at the computer for 15 minutes a day until I had that first draft, but didn't really have connection to it. So a friend said, why don't you go back and write it from little Susie's point of view? And that's, that's that little light in here. That's that little one that's been through everything and stood by you through it all. So I took another pass through that. And that's when all the pieces like starting to go click, click, click. And it all made sense. And it became a brocade. And not only did I gain compassion for the perpetrators or those that I saw as the perpetrator, but I gained compassion, authentic compassion and self-respect for me. And that was the pivotal piece. And now I can live very expansively. And it's actually played out physically, me living on this prairie in the open sky in Montana. That's, that's what's happened inside of me, but it took a profound shift. It took willingness to take huge risks, to get support to say i don't know this doesn't feel good i need help i was willing to do all of that and then to trust and believe that that was going to lead me to a better place and i have the experience of knowing what those better places are now
0: yeah oh wow i there's there, there's so much in that of what you just said that is like oh let's unpack this piece and let's unpack that piece. This is, but this is like a less than a one hour show. So this, we're going to have to kind of decide where we want to go with, with, with the conversation. But after, you know, you show up on Barbara Walters doorstep and she, she encourages you that to you know, con- confront what was going on in your mind. Like, how am I going to do this? What, like, and did you think that there were going to be big repercussions if you went and confronted him? Like, did you kind of see, like, if I do this, I'm getting fired or Like, what was your thought process in going to confront the person who harassed you?
1: So there was a lot of confusion. I felt confusion. It was really hard for me to tease out boundaries. He was inappropriate, but I still wanted to take on responsibility because that's what I did as a youngster. I took on way more than my fair share of responsibility And there was a lot of mind fluffing that went on, a lot of manipulation. So it was very, very hard to understand that I had been violated, that there was an inappropriate boundary that had been crossed. And I was hoping that somehow we could work this out. But I did. I had a feeling that probably wasn't going to be the case. And I had felt so, so shocked by the behavior that I was willing to confront it. So at least I had that piece of self-respect. And I was also newly sober then. So I had support of others who were at experience living life from a from a healthy perspective.
0: All right. So yeah. So that kind of answers my my previous question is like you had started to clean up yourself and get yourself strong to be able to kind of face this and go through what you need to go through because had you still been drinking at the time maybe you wouldn't have had the strength and the clarity to be able to do what you did
1: and unfortunately that's generally the truth so i was i was very fortunate to be willing to become willing
0: willing to become willing okay got it all right and so i think i already know the answer to this but I'm going to ask it so, so you can officially share it. Are you grateful that this experience happened? I wish it hadn't happened,
1: but I understand why it needed to happen to push me further down my road. I mean, the gift was I was able to establish my own brokerage firm and with 18 months of work in it, I had made six figures. And I had also created a reputation for bringing celebrities to brands in a pretty spectacular way because, you know, Andy Warhol was was the first, but there were many more. And that skill set and my ability to be creative and just take risks, maybe because I had semi-blinders on, but... That ability led me into being invited to produce for any show that I wanted to produce on for Roger Ailes. And I was invited to help launch Fox News Channel. So if I didn't take that risk with that agent with that sexual addiction issue, I would have never gone to those other places. And yes, it took tremendous courage. I mean, I had a studio apartment, Jessica, that you had, like Look up and out to even see what was going on outside, weather-wise. And there I was in that little studio apartment, making fifty cold calls a day, (laughs) whether I wanted to or not. Just like praying I was going to land a deal, which I did. No, I think that if we if we're willing to take risks and get support, there's always magic that follows. It's just it's not always the easier, softer way.
0: Yeah. Isn't that the truth? All right. Well, I always like to ask guests, you know, this question is, you know, now what? But I know that now what is you've just launched your book. So talk to us a little bit about the book.
1: Well, thank you for asking. And I can't believe I'm saying it, but it is something that I am very proud of now that it's out just because of the feedback I'm getting. People are relating, it's changing them. And it's not just my own story. I mean, I wanted to put my own story out, but I also wanted to put out something that would be experiential for the reader. So I put tools in the appendix. It's in the form of a workbook that actually correspond with each chapter and what I was facing and what helped me. And It's actually changing people. Like, I want to cry when I say that because I feel like, well, can my silly experience really help others? But it's starting to. So the book is called Toxic Family, Transforming Childhood Trauma into Adult Freedom. And I know it's a taboo topic and it was not my choice of title Toxic Family came from my publisher. And I was like, wow, what a Jerry Springer (laughs) title. My title was Magical Illumination, because that's what I feel like it's been. And I'm grateful to each member of my family and the incredible roles that they played, including my father and my mother. And I have compassion for their toxicity that they brought in from their parents and their parents' parents. It was hurt and abused children, raising hurt and abused children. And my mother was sexually abused. It's in the lineage. So I'm grateful to have put my story out, to have gone back into those carefully constructed compartments and released some of that memory once again, and I'm grateful to have had the experience to be able to transform trauma that was held in the cells of my being. And then now to share it with others.
0: Wow. So it is magical, isn't it? Right. The whole process I'm sure was a magical for you to write and, you know, writing to little Susie. I, I really resonate with that because it's our our little girl versions of us that actually really do need the healing and the love and the attention and just knowing that we were, we're safe and protected for us to be able to kind of stand up and be like, okay, now I can move forward.
1: You have that so correctly. And I'm, I'm just so proud of you because that's a lot of the messaging that you're bringing through through your podcast and your platform. And I just want to bow to you, Jessica. It's it's so important. And I know it takes a lot of energy Mm -hmm. and investment and focus. So thank you.
0: Well, thank you. And this show would not be what it is without amazing guests like you who come and literally open up your heart and share your experiences with everyone else so that they can learn from them. Like, you know, we all go through stuff. And what makes it worth it is when other people can benefit or experience or at least learn from ours to make it a little bit easier, a little bit better for them moving forward, right? Like, you know, no one really wants to go through the shitty things, but if there's a lesson in there and that someone else can be saved from that in the future, well, then it's all worth it, right? Well,
1: and also knowing that shitty thing is actually could be miraculous Mm -hmm. and like shift your life. You know, I, I shared what happened once I confronted my boss on sexually harassing me and how that played out. And then it repeated later in a marriage that was toxic. And once I confronted that, I started again having magic. I mean, just magic. And I saw How that was really necessary for me to expand as a free human being with authenticity and real compassion and self-love. Because if you would have said self-love and inner child and all that stuff, even, I don't know, even 10 years ago, it's kind of like, eh, come on, like, get over it, move on to that. That is a little bit too
0: woo-woo, thank you very much, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, wow. All right, so... Susan, where can people find you? If people want to connect, if they want to find the book, if they want to have a conversation with you, you know, maybe they've, they're they experiencing something similar that you did and they just need a little bit of support and courage to go and face their harasser. Where, where do you like to hang out on the interwebs? So the, just one place,
1: susangold.us. It's all there,
0: susangold.us. Okay, fantastic. All right, everyone. Well, that is it for us today. It was a jam-packed episode with so many lessons. Thank you, Susan, for coming on and sharing your story and sharing your book and your experience. And I just want to acknowledge you now, too, for your bravery and for leading the way and being part of the movement of women saying, no more, not today, not on my watch and standing up for yourself because you really give other people permission to do the same.
1: It's a privilege to be here, Jessica. Thank
0: you. All right. Thank you. All right, everyone. That is it for us today. hope you enjoyed today's episode. If it resonated with you, please go give it a like, a share. Don't forget to subscribe. Or if you know someone who is going through something similar please, 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 please share this episode with them because it may help them figure out their very own now what. All right, that's it. And we'll see you next week for another episode. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it more than I can say. Did you love this episode of I Just Blank Now What?